Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. It's an honor that you are here. And then Pastor Stephen told me, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's coming? I don't want to preach anymore. <laughs> so Pastor Lord and Kelly, it's so interesting because they oversee C3 Canada, but you think you wouldn't know the people who oversee C3 Canada, um, but you do, somehow. We've gotten to know them and we've gone to, like, just, we've received the love from them. And how could they consider us when they got their own church in Calgary to consider. And uh, so you've blessed us so much this last year. Um, and uh, we just appreciate you guys for the love and the prayers and Pastor Lawrence's text messages. It means the world to us. So thank you so much. We're praying for you guys too. Um, Pastor Sam and Pastor Jess, my pastors, uh, um, have sent, sent their greetings to you. Um, they are amazing. They talk highly about Calgary and highly about C3 Calgary. Uh, and so it's so nice to be here. Um, also, want to honor your pastors. And, and we, I mean, we have we don't we don't know each other super well, but I feel like we do yeah. in a way. I feel like the stuff you guys go through, the stuff you've been going through, is very similar to us. And I mean, I hope you guys know this, or the weight of this is they love you guys so much. Their desire, their heart's desire, is to see people in closer proximity to Jesus. Because they know when you get into a closer proximity to Jesus, your lives get transformed. Your lives get, that's the, that's the pastor's heart. That's the, the shepherd's heart. So when they're calling you to action, they know it because they've experienced it. And so I just, can we just clap for them? Can we just honor them? You know, Vince. Uh, Vince, your voice, it's a beautiful voice yeah. on worship team, leading people to worship. But I just had this sense that your voice is going to be on the mic and it's going to lead many people. But there's a weight to your voice. There's a weight to the influence of your voice. And it's not just leading people in worship. It's going to be leading people one-on-one. It's going to be leading people, you know, and pastoring them and speaking life into the world. Because I see you sing and I know you believe what you're singing. And so I think there's a time, there's a shift that's taking place that you're going to exercise your prophetic gift, your ability to lead worship, also in the pastoring side and shepherding side. And it's going to look a little different, but I see you speaking to people's life and like changing the direction of where they're going, just because of the weight of your voice. So how you step out of it is just stepping out of it, like just trying it. You might be meeting someone for coffee. You might be meeting someone here. You might be asking them. You might be just getting into it. But like, hey, what's your biggest struggle? In life? Right. And God's going to give you words to change the trajectory of that person's life yeah. with the way you speak. And so influence is there, my friend. I think also your influence is going to build this worship team. It's going to build a worship team by not your singing. People, people are going to be a, this church is going to love your ability to lead and lead them into worship. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, find value in that, but it's going to be your ability to call people together and lead together yeah. and play together. I think you're going to be leading worship leaders. So use your voice. Use your voice. Like, stay quiet. Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't stay. I know you're not quiet here, but don't stay quiet when you're not here. Yeah. Um, use your voice. And uh, Douglas, man, you are the biggest cheerleader I know. Yeah. Yes. Um, you are the biggest cheerleader I know. I hope you shut me down like crazy. Yeah. I just have you shut you down. I'm good. Um, but I think I think you're a coach. You were, you were, you uh, lead a team here. Muscle sweet, you flex the muscle, but I see, I see you as a coach. Like what that means is you're a coach of leading leaders. Think of the coach in the locker room, inspiring the team, getting them ready to go. You know, maybe, maybe helping them with some adjustments, improving their game. You know, that's what I see you as. I think God's gonna level up your leadership. He's gonna level up your leadership. The question is, do you want it? Do you want to own it? It's gonna be difficult because sometimes the players don't want to listen to everything. And so you're like, oh, I'm discouraged. They're not listening to me. But they're going to come back and realize, oh, there's some wisdom yeah. to what you're saying. Yeah, and so your coaching ability is going to come straight from your relationship with God. Yeah. So, um, and it's going to refresh your pastors. 100%. 100%. All right, let's do this. Um, so I'm going to speak to you. Uh, oh, and then my wife, Pastor Kate, she's here in the house. Just give a wave. So Pastor Kate's from Saskatoon, and uh, we we go. The, the deal is when I met her in Toronto, just a little bit about us. Um, she went to optometry school in Waterloo, and we both commuted to downtown Toronto to go to church. For me, it was about forty-five minutes. For her, it was an hour and a half. I know it's crazy. Like, like my people thought I was crazy because I drove fifteen minutes to Monogram the other day. Because it's like, I mean, that's normal for us to go to, to drive to a coffee shop, you know. But we commuted into the city because we just loved this church and we felt called to it. And um, uh, we met each other. We're like the only two that commuted. We're crazy enough to be. I mean, she was a bit more crazy because it was an hour and a half, right? It's two and a half on Greyhound. Two and a half on Greyhound. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we met and we fell in love. And then the deal was, if we stay there, which we did obviously, was we come to Saskatoon for two weeks in the Christmas and two weeks in the summer. And so we're in Calgary because she had a wedding last night. So we're in Calgary. And I'm like, can we do Calgary like every time we come to Saskatoon? Can we drive to Calgary? Because yeah, yeah. I, I really love this city. This city is this city's big. This city is, is a city. I mean, out in Toronto, we are isolated. We're like everything outside of Toronto are towns. But this is a real city. And um, so it's amazing to be here. But let's get into the word. So we're going to be preaching on Luke chapter 22. You guys know the story of Peter's denial, Peter denying Jesus, that's what we're going to go into today. And so I really think this story is a, is a reflection of our lives, because we deny Jesus. I mean, we don't want to admit it, but we do deny Jesus, sometimes with our thinking, with our mindset, with our actions, with our behavior. And, and this is just really a picture of us, um, but there's hope, and there's grace, yes. and there's awareness from the Holy Spirit that can help us. Right. And so... In Luke chapter 22, 54, it says, Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And so this would have likely been with the officers, um, you know, who arrested Jesus, okay? And so he's sitting down by the fire. And in the courtyard, you have, you have a view of Jesus with the high priest, Okay. And then, and a certain servant girl, verse 56, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, which is blank right now for me for some reason, uh, 
This man was also with him. But he denied him. So he denied Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Thank you, Pastor Gregory, for putting my notes on there. That's a good fallback. Woman, I do not know him. And verse 58 says, And after a little while, another saw him and said, You are also of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. So you can feel the tension right now. Yeah. If I was Peter, I would have ran out of there right away. Especially after the first girl said that. But picture it, everyone's looking at him, waiting for his response. He's like, no, I'm not. But then someone else does it, and it's like, okay, maybe he is the guy with Jesus, okay? Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And this is where you get the goosebumps if you're watching the movies. <laughs> and the Lord turned and looked at Peter in that moment. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said to him, before the rooster goes, you will deny me three times. And Peter wept, went out and wept bitterly. So just a little context that Jesus predicted this. Because Peter said, yo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you to prison or to death. And Jesus said, hey, you're going to deny me three times, just in the beginning of that chapter. And so this is the scene where he actually does. This was probably likely one of the most difficult moments that Peter experienced in life. If I was Peter, I would think that's one of the most difficult. My Lord and Savior, who I said I would go to death with, I denied. And he told me I would do it. And I believed that he wouldn't. I, I, I didn't believe him, but I did. One of the most difficult moments. You know, like he, he, he denied Jesus. Probably one of the biggest fails that Peter ever had. You know, if I kind of imagine myself as Peter, I can think of some of the thoughts I would have might be something like, you know, I'm not worthy enough to follow you, Jesus. Like, I can't recover from this big fail, you know? Like, I don't have the capacity to follow you. I don't have what it takes to follow you, Jesus. Because I've obviously denied you three times. And I was one of your closest disciples. But if we look at his story, we could tell that that type of thinking didn't really influence him from giving up. You know, I, I imagine, like, this last few years, you know, being more isolated, our thought processes, our thought patterns have picked up some things. You know, I, I know I know for Katie and I, because it's isolation, you kind of get a little bit more focused on yourself, if, we, if we're honest. We focus a bit more on ourselves, what we go through, and all of a sudden our mind always tends to the worst. I can't tell you how many times I thought that I, that I was a failure as a parent. Anybody there when you're working from home and your kids are running around because your daycare is closed? Yeah. Was that, did that happen in Calgary? It happened in Toronto. And then your kids are like, Daddy, play with me. I'm like, babe, I gotta, I gotta eat this. I gotta, I gotta finish this work and, 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 I, and I can't feed you right now. And I gotta finish this work. And you're, you're feeling this tension because it's like, how do I make sure my boss knows that I'm getting my job done because I don't want to think I'm doing nothing. But how do I love my kid and give them the attention that they need? Yeah. And you also just feel like a failure as a, as a, as a parent. And you say that, you admit it, you know? You feel like you're at your end. And it's like all of a sudden you don't have any time to do anything else in the world because everything is busy at home. You might even feel sometimes failure as, as, a, as a spouse. You know, for Katie and I, things got, we got so familiar with each other, we forgot to learn how to communicate because we see each other all the time. Yeah. And then, and then you, you would stare at each other and it's like, I forget to put the bowl in the sink and clean it right away. <laughs> And I always used to do that, but now it's become an annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really difficult time 
going through that pandemic, being at home. It was a very difficult time. See, the temptation that we find ourselves, the pattern of the world that we can so easily pick up is when we let those difficult moments define us. Yeah. When we carry the failures of life, right. when we carry the disappointments of life, That's right. and we actually let it rule our thinking and consume us. Because yeah. if we let it rule our thinking and consume us, it will affect our behavior, yeah. it will affect our actions, yeah. it will affect our lifestyle. Yeah. Right. And you gotta ask the question, are we truly following and honoring Jesus? I think there's a constant renewal of the mind in order for us. Yeah. When I say constant, we must always be going to God to renew our mind. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, right. and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. So that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Yeah. Yeah. C3 Calvary, I believe God wants to expose some old false mindsets to let those things go, to let that type of thinking go. I believe he wants us to not deny Jesus, not just deny Jesus, but not deny him the opportunity, the opportunity to work in our life, to work through the mess, to work through the failures, to work through the disappointments, to work through the difficult moments in life. But we need to renew our mind. We need to go to him and take the truth. Resilience. Resilience is the capacity to recover, to bounce back from the most difficult, tough moments that we face. It's, it's the ability to, to, just, to just not give up, to not, to not just stay down, but to yeah. get back up. Yeah. That's, right. That's what resilience is. Yeah. If we don't give up, resilience will be built. Yeah. I believe that God wants us to bounce back. Yeah. Come on. God wants us to bounce back. Most resilience to be built up. Don't bounce back into the mission, into the life that's being other centered, yeah, into the right. life that says, God, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna follow you, I'm gonna deny myself, I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna follow you. Yeah, right, right, right. Because we can't follow Jesus without denying ourselves. That's just the truth. God is calling us to bounce back. That's the title of the message. See, Peter's moment of difficulty wouldn't be his end. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the end of him. He wouldn't let that moment consume him and rule his thinking. It would actually be the beginning of something new. He just needed to return to Jesus. Yeah. Point number one is difficulties in life are not our end, but can be the beginning of something new. Yeah. The difficulties that we face are not the end and can be the beginning yeah. of something new because the difficulties we face are really moments right. yeah. that we face. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we, that moment turns into eternity, and it doesn't need to turn into eternity yeah. because yeah. we end up wearing it. Right. Right? If we let it consume our mind, we end up wearing it. Yeah. You know? And so for me, I remember when Katie and I were dating, and we were both like commuting into the city. I worked in this position about, about um, 30 minutes from Toronto. So I lived, that's what, that's what kept me living outside of Toronto. And um, I worked in HR, I've been doing talent acquisition for like seven years. Um, and uh, and I got let go of that job because I made a lot of errors, a lot of administration mistakes. My, my role was HR administrator. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how you lose a job in HR when you're in HR, but it happened. And uh, I left that parking lot, and I honestly, it was probably one of the most difficult moments when I look back in life. And I really felt like a failure. 
and I didn't know how to get to my car. I was in the parking. I remember in the in the underground parking lot, wondering what to do, where to go, because I just felt like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to recover from this? How am I going to get another job in HR when you just lost your job in HR? This is the end. This is the end. I'm like, there's no way I'm telling my parents. So I didn't tell my parents for two weeks. My parents are Sri Lankan. They're they're brown. They're very strict. They if you don't have a job, it's like. The whole world knows, and then they look down at my parents. So I just couldn't tell them because I had to save them through that. But I knew I had to tell someone. So I told my girlfriend at the time because I couldn't hide that from her. Nella, all the thoughts that went through my mind, I really thought like she was gonna break up with me. I mean, this girl's in optometry school. Like, come on, from Saskatoon. She's not gonna date me who's unemployed. I was like, okay, maybe she'll stay with me for now, but she'll break up later with me. I really thought that these thoughts just just. Going through your mind, consuming me, and, and you know, I eventually told him, I remember what she said, uh, which was amazing. There was no shame, there was no condemnation, uh, but what she said was, you know what, you hated your job anyways. So now it's time to move to Toronto. Because you always said you wanted to move to Toronto. So this could be the shift that makes you move to Toronto and find a job that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And when I felt hopeless in that moment, all of a sudden I felt a sense of hope. And it, 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 it makes you wonder, who do we turn to in our most difficult moments? Yeah, and, and in that moment, I really did feel like I could bounce back from that. Yeah. I really did feel like I didn't have to give up. Yeah. I didn't have to stop. I didn't have to hide in, the, in this house. That was, I was house-sitting for a friend. But the next day, I went job hunting. See, the difficult moments could actually be the beginning of something new. Peter didn't turn away and give up. If you learn the story of Peter, what's so interesting was Peter still existed. I mean, he had good community with him, but he, he was the guy that ran with John to the tomb when they found out that Jesus was in the tomb. He's the guy that left the boat after they caught so much fish, okay? Left the boat, swam to Jesus, left all the other disciples behind because he saw Jesus at the shore. And then Jesus restored him. So there was a response, a bouncing back that Peter had. He wasn't going to let that failure define the rest of his life. He wasn't going to let that moment of difficulty cause him to give up. Is it possible that the most difficult things that we experience in life that God wants to move in? Is it possible that in our need, in our desperation, that we can invite God and His grace covers it? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace so we might find grace and mercy in our time of need. What does the word boldly mean? The bowling doesn't mean I need to have it all together. Right. It means that I can actually come with it with my failure. I can come with them yeah. in my mistakes. I can come with them with my disappointment. I can come with them when I'm experiencing the most difficulty. Like, even when it's my fault. Yeah. That's what bowling means. It means consistent. It means persistently. Yeah. It doesn't mean we have to have it all together. See, I believe the enemy wants us to, to feel like Jesus is unapproachable, especially when it comes to sin in our world. When there's shame attached to it, like when there was shame attached to me when I got let go of my job, I felt like I had to isolate myself. Right. Because I was scared. Again, this is also a pattern of what will people think. Right. And so Jesus wants us to approach it because we can find grace and mercy in that time of need. Right. See, the difficult moments of life can actually give God opportunity to move. Yeah. Peter remembered after that look. That look he got from Jesus when he remembered what the words that Jesus said that he would deny him. 
Whatever pity, disappointment, or shame they contained, it caused Peter to go weeping. But you know, that event was momentary. That event would actually help shape who Peter would become. That's right. Yeah. That's the truth. It would shape. It could define him. Or it could actually be the thing that helped shape who he become, who God was calling him to become. And it was something new. See, our difficult moments don't define us. They could actually help transform us. You guys ever heard um, the word feedback? Uh, I think in, in the corporate world, we call it constructive criticism or constructive feedback. And not everyone's just using the word feedback. And say, hey, I got some feedback for you. You know, and and um, and you get this feedback, and and sometimes this this feedback just just it, it, it hurts a bit, you know, depending on the delivery. But but we, we we even as preachers, we do we have a preaching team. We get we we um, people who hear us we come together, preachers, and we give feedback to each other. Um, and so in our culture, because we're so defined by what we do, what we achieve, or what we don't do, or how we fail. It's hard to hear feedback sometimes. And, um, and there's a, been a series of months where we're getting feedback, and you know, there's truths and lies to feedback. And, and sometimes with the feedback you're hearing, you, you hear someone saying this to you, and it kind of hurts, and it kind of rubs you off the wrong way, and it kind of like, do you know how much work I put into this? Do you know how much, how, how much time I put into this? But, but all of a sudden, it, it, it hurts a bit, but the truth behind the lie is, that if I actually step back and take this feedback, I can actually use this feedback to develop me. That's right. yeah. We can right. use the feedback to develop ourselves. Yeah. That's right. See, the, the, the difficult moments of life actually can be used to transform our lives yeah. if we let God in. Yeah. See, Peter learned this and I learned this, and this is something we all need to learn when we experience these difficult moments. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so what I learned from God is that he is faithful even though we're not faithless, yeah. even though we're not screwed up. And so the journey ended up me moving to Toronto two weeks later. I didn't have a job at that point. Two weeks later, found a job in learning and development and recruitment. So still in HR, but actually more, less behind the computer and more with people. And I don't know how, but it was a higher salary increase. And, I, and, and it was the interview, the interview where I just believe God's grace, the unmerited favor of God's grace, yeah. set up that interview, set up the process of that interview, where the team that I just interviewed with loved me. And it was a job that I was passionate about. Yeah. And, I, and I remember this verse, I, I read this verse at that time, knowing that God is faithful. And you know what? It wasn't that so much that, that oh, he came through and got me the job, because sometimes he, he, he won't come through the way you might expect. But it was more so knowing that he is faithful. That yeah. Because listen, the difficult moments, it's not if they come, it's when they come. Yeah, that's right. And so I was able to stand on that testimony of his faithfulness in the future. And Peter needed to learn that too. Peter needed to learn that he could actually come back to God, even with the, as big of a fear that was. And that testimony would actually shape who he would become. Because, you know, Peter was called to be an apostle, to help build a New Testament church. And he couldn't do that dependent on himself. He couldn't do that with the pride that, it, that was inside of him. Right. That pride needed to be uprooted. Yes. That humility needed to be coming in. Yeah. And so he learned that too. So we learn something essential about us, and we learn something essential about God yeah. when we go through difficult moments. And the things that we learn, if we apply it, can actually be the things that transform us. Yeah. Very good. I remember when I was... Uh, 
in Toronto, finally, people are like, oh, that's a question they get asked, what do you do, you know? Um, I think I asked someone what they did today. I was just out of curiosity. But we ask people what they do because we really do define someone based on what they do, right? And so, man, I just, I was just like, I don't know how to answer this. I was like, oh, I'm in transition now. You know, I'll go super spiritual and be like, you know, I just felt the Lord call me to Toronto, so I'm here. I'm going to find a job. I didn't tell anyone I got let go. I didn't tell anyone I got fired. Because I was so scared what people think. The, the, the Bible will always, will always give us, because it's not, it's, it's not just enough to resist the lies that we experience. We've got to replace it with the truth. In Galatians 1.10, for, for, this is Paul speaking, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For I, if I still please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. The truth was, I can't please men and please God. So I was only concerned about God. I needed to be only concerned about what God wanted for my life. And I'll just roll with the punches. I'll just roll with whatever looks I would get. Because there needs to be, so the fear of man is a snare, but the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So if we're more concerned about what God thinks, we will live much freer lives. And if we are honest, we have become more concerned about what people think because of these last few years. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we can actually be influential. People will see the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you live your life, and knowing that this guy is not bound, or this lady is not bound by what the world thinks. There's a confidence that they sense. Talking about evangelism. This is evangelism. My friend James, uh, one of our worship leaders, uh, I met his friend at a men's retreat. I'm like, yo, Cash, how did you start coming to church? And he's like, honestly, I just saw James at school there in the engineering department. And engineering was just so stressful. It was just so stressful. I don't know why James was always happy. Yeah. And so I just asked him. It's like, James, why are you always happy? And if you know James, when he's worshiping, he's just smiling like crazy. And, and James is like, well, I just believe in Jesus, man. You should come to church with me. And Akash has been going to church for a wow. year. He's great. Came to Benzo tonight. Do you see that? It was just the presence that James carried. Yeah, that's right. We need to renew our minds with what God says, what his word says. You know, at the end of, path, at the, end of the passage, where it said that Peter wept bitterly because he remembered what Jesus said. So that was from verse 34, chapter 22. But if we read two more verses from verse 31 to 33, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked you that he may sit you as me, but I pray for you that your faith should not fail. But when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. So what does that mean? I think what it means is that Jesus is all-knowing, that God is all-knowing. So I don't know if Peter remembered the two verses before that, which was that God already knew that he was going to deny him. God already knew that he was going to have this failure. God already knew that he was going to have this shortcoming. God already knew the sin that's in our life. He already knew that the sin we were going to do. He already knew that we would deny him in some sort of way in our thinking or in our action. He already knows all that. But it doesn't change his love for us. It doesn't change the fact that we can still approach him boldly. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that brings me a lot of hope. Yeah, come on. Because what he did on the cross. Yeah. Pastor Stephen said it. When he died on the cross, he paid the penalty of our sin. Yeah. So the shame... The failures, the disappointments, the things that have the power to influence and wear it, and it causes us to always live in hesitation, it causes us to always live in fear, he actually put it on the cross. Thank you, Lord. 
Because when we go to him, we renew ourselves. Yeah. He refreshes us. He wipes away all the sins. Yeah. But we got to remember to approach him. Come on. That's great, bud. Can we bounce back from the difficulties of life and let him transform us? Yeah. Come on. See, transformation doesn't stop at what we learn, just about what we learn from God. It actually continues. It's ongoing. And I believe it heightens as we step out in his mission. Yeah. The last point, we are transformed as we strengthen others. Verse 32 says, but I pray for you that your faith should not fail. When you have strength, when, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. Isn't that interesting? That when you come back to God, he tells Peter to strengthen your brother. Right. And then at the shore, he restores him and comes to feed my sheep. Right. See, it would have been very easy for Peter to be self-focused. Oh, beautiful. I just learned something about God. He came through for me. He got me that job. He wanted to get me that, the, the career that I, that I need. He's, he's provided for me. He's provided that place for me. He's, the, he's come through. And do I just sit back now and wait till the next like, tough thing comes and ask God to come through for me again? Right. No, no. It says to strengthen your brother. Yeah. yeah, very good. What God teaches us, what God shows us, what he reveals to us, the grace that we experience can't just be contained right. and stay in here. Yeah, yeah. That's good. It's actually the thing that needs to be displayed yeah. to the people walking through the doors of this church. Right. How big is Calgary? A lot. 400,000? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you, guys, you guys got your own hockey team. Yeah. Buddy's coming. What's Buddy from Yellowstone? He's coming. Yeah. Kevin Buster. Yeah. There is a massive city here. There is a massive city. The people of this city need to experience the Jesus that you experience. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? Peter didn't sit back and be like, oh, thank God he came through. Peter went back on a mission. And he had built the New Testament church. The feedback that God gives us, that feedback that he gives us, that feedback needs to be shared. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not the Satan, the assembly. That means the gathering of one another. Yeah. As the manner of some are. There's a manner that some have forgot because it's not convenient for them. Yeah. They don't want to gather. They, they, want, they don't want to do work because it is more self-focused. It's a, it's a world filled with more self-focusedness, like selfishness. Yeah. That's the pattern of the world. Yeah. But it says, but exhorting one another. Church, we need to strengthen, comfort, exhort, encourage the people of this city. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The people who walk through the doors. Yeah. People need encouragement. Listen, we, we might know our Bible and we get encouragement from it, but people don't know how to read the Bible yet, so you are the answer for them. That's right. God has placed you as the answer for them. Yeah. Right. The Bible says those who are planted in the house will flourish in the courts of our God. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that life is going to be amazing. No, no, no. That actually means that what you pick up on Sunday, what you pick up on your small group, what you pick up in community, because church is not just about Sunday, it's actually about doing life together throughout the week. What you pick up in your small group, there's a Bible verse that someone speaks of. You know, Vince is sharing the Bible verse, and someone's like, yo, you know what? I'm going to take that verse, and I'm going to let that encourage me yeah. with what I'm going through. Yeah. That's what flourishing means. It's, it's the setting up of chairs. I hope that when you guys buy a building, you never stop setting up chairs. I hope there's always team. Because you know that when there's tasks, that's where discipleship takes yeah, place. Well. The disciples were discipled through the tasks. Yeah. When you feed the 5,000 or the 15,000 with all the families, 
They're the ones who broke, they're the ones who gave the bread. They're yeah. the ones who bent That's down right. and gave the bread and they learned of the miracle that they were part of. So when you're carrying the chair, when you're Jonathan, right? When you're doing the screens, my friend, it is essential. Yeah. If you didn't put the screens on, I wouldn't know how to worship God because I wouldn't know the words. Yeah. Because you put the words on and you're timely with it too. That's right. You're there for a reason. You have the conviction to be there. So invite others to be part of that conviction. Come on. When our invitation goes out to people about church, there's got to be a testimony attached yeah, to it. Yeah. There's got to be. Yeah. It's, it, gives someone, it gives someone a higher purpose. It gives someone vision. Like there's something more. Yeah. See, the thing is, being part of this church, being planted in the church and getting involved in, and, and being together and doing this together, it, it, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. The kids coming together in, in the kids' room. I love that Janie's meeting all her best friends yeah. in the kids' team, yeah. like in, in C3 Toronto. And it's beautiful for them to grow together and connect with one another. Because those are the people, listen, your church is going to outlast your life. Yeah. Don't you want to be part of building something that's going to outlast your life? Because you know what that means when it outlasts your life? It's going to affect your kids. It's going to affect your kids' kids. You are pregnant. It's going to affect your child. How's pregnancy going? Right? Oh, see, oh yeah, you're married. Let's together. <laughs> Father, we just thank you so much for this couple. We thank you so much, Father, that you are raising them up. That, Lord God, that they will be influential in this city. Father, that they will be able to grab their baby, their future baby, bring them along to whatever they're at, and be influences, influential to other newborn families. That, Father, they will lead the way, and that people will see and model how they live their lives, and they'll be attracted to it, God, because they are so exposed to the gospel, so transformed by the gospel, that your spirit will always comfort them when they go through the most difficult moments. And God, let that be an example to all the young families that are entering into this church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen, church, this is beautiful. This place is amazing. And so, I don't know about you, but I would love to be part of something and contribute to something that would be beyond my life. I'm going to grab the, the strings, I guess. Is it the keys? Oh, yeah. yeah. There is uh, my friend Caleb. I met him at the back of our, he's not in this church, at C3 Toronto, at the back of the church. And he came 10 minutes at the end of service. 10 minutes. And I was the hosting lead at the time. So I just, you know, I saw him. And I was like, okay, I don't know if this, if like, if this guy's sketchy or not, so I'm just going to stand next to him. And I felt the spirit say, you know what, just talk to dude after. And so I talked to him. And super quiet. Very quiet. And he told me how, I said, how'd you end up coming to C3? And he said, I follow this artist, and I love his art. And then he saw a picture on Instagram, and, and the picture on Instagram was from someone who was at a church, who posted about it. And then he went to that person's Instagram, that's why it's so important to share on Instagram, it's a tool to evangelize. And he, and he saw this person's Instagram, this person has all this stuff about church, and his bio it says c3trone.com. And so he came. He was drunk and high that night out of a party because he, he, he was working in the city. And he felt the spirit say, go to church because he woke up early enough to come for 10 minutes. So he came. And so I didn't know anything about his story at that point, but I was like, oh, he took, told me how he came. I'm like, oh, dude, let's go meet that guy. And so we went and took him to the front. I met Frankie. 
who posted that story. And then you know, I was like, you know what, you gotta meet this guy. This is Victor. He runs this cool motorcycle thing. And I just connected to everyone I could think of just to get to know him. You know, he came up next Sunday. Sat with him. He came the Sunday after. Came the Sunday after. Yeah. Then he stopped coming. And then I called him. I said, how's it going, man? He's like, good, man, good. And he's like, God is doing the work in my life. I'm moving back to Peterborough because I've been separated for the last year. I have two kids. You know that day I met you? I came high to church. I grew up in the church. But I left the church because I felt like I couldn't be myself, being the creative person I am. He hung out with the wrong crew in Toronto. In that time, he got let go of his job. But he knew it was actually the beginning of something new. Because he moved back to Peterborough. He found a local church. He would come on weekends. Come on weekends. And then he actually came to see Free Toronto and share his testimony. Come on. Pastor Stan asked him, he was like, how did, you, how did you stay connected? He's like, that guy right there just said hi to me. That guy right there just introduced me to his friends. I didn't do anything. I just said hi to him and I connected to a few people. Yeah. Fast forward a year, they're at the point of divorce. But his wife has seen a transformation in his life. And he asked her, from just picking up the kids on weekends, because all of a sudden he was picking up the kids on weekends. He was in their life more because of the transformation that was taking place in his life. They didn't divorce. They stayed together. They had a third child. We saw them during the pandemic and went to Peterborough. That's like this Christian hippie. He's just quoting Bible verses to me. He's encouraging me when I wanted to give up during the pandemic. It all started with this one moment yeah. of just a hello, how are you, what's your name? Yeah. Not, not neglecting him. Yeah. I could only do that if I was present. I could only be there, I could only do that if I was present at church. Yeah. We had someone said that from church last Sunday that you can't zoom into heaven. I know we did it for a while, you can't zoom into heaven. Yeah, that's right. Your presence matters. Yeah. You being present yeah. gives opportunity to change someone's yeah, life right. just by one hand. One welcome. Yeah. One, what's your story? One, hey, let's go for coffee. Someone's one conversation away from experiencing the Jesus that you know. Come on. Church, can we do this? Yeah, come on. Can we do this? Come on. This is a beautiful area. There are way more people. There's these seats that need to be filled. Then you guys need to go to another room, another church, because it's bigger, because people are going to be impacted by Jesus. Yes. And God is asking for you to yes. be part of the solution. That's right. Let's bow your head and close your eyes. It's time to bounce back. If there is anyone in this room who hasn't given their life to Jesus, or maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you want to say, God, I haven't been living for you, but today I want to live for you. Today, I want to put my hand up and say, God, I recommit my life to you. And I recommit to be transformed to your image and help others in the transformation journey. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, I just want you to stick your hand up right now. Just stick your hand up and say, God, that's me. I want to be part of this. I want to recommit my life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I just pray for every single person in this room, God, that there's a sense of conviction growing. There's a sense of ownership taking place, God. 
But, Father, that we are transformed as we step out in your mission to fulfill the great commission to make disciples God. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room that the plan and purpose for their life is greater than they might not know. They, they might know. But, God, that they get a sense of the plan. They get a sense of your purpose for them as they leave this room, God. And Father, it doesn't just stay contained, but they step out and walk it out, God. Because they don't do it on their strength. It's not by might, nor by power, but your spirit, says the Lord. Father, your spirit is with them in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Caitlin, I just, I just have a sense that you are stepping out into a new level of ownership. And it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a Joshua kind of moment there's, there's going to be fear that's going to come uh, because fear just comes. But you know what courage is? Courage is the belief in God that's greater than your fear. It overweighs the fear. So you just, you know, they still have to take the promised land. So my encouragement to you is just take it. Yeah. Don't wait. Do not wait for someone else to do it because when you take it, when people see you take it, take whatever it is, whatever part to play that needs to be taken, people are going to model that and follow that. But you let Joshua, they need to take the promised land. Yeah. You need to storm them with Let your faith in God be greater than any insecurity, than any fear, anything in the past that you experienced. Look at it as a moment. Don't look at it as something that you're still attached to. It's in the past. You know, the interesting thing was Jesus told Peter, follow me at the shore. He gave him another invitation to follow him and to leave everything behind. To leave everything behind and step into it. Amen. Pastor Stephen, I'm sorry. A little bit time. Great. That's just how we do it in Toronto. Yeah. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.